This is The Widow Podcast and I am Karen Sutton, The Widow Coach. I'll be supporting you through the loss of your life partner so you can find a more positive way through your grief. I want to give you hope after loss and to know that when you are ready, you can create a meaningful life for yourself with the help of me, Karen Sutton and The Widow Podcast. Hello and welcome. It's so nice to have you here again. In this episode of the Widow Podcast, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about what my grief looks like now. Six years on, Simon died in September 2016. I'm recording this podcast in early January 2023. So I am well in to my seventh year without him as a widow. It's been the most horrendous journey. It has also been a journey that I have gained the most from in life. And I know that's quite hard to fathom, to understand, especially if you're in the very early days, the raw days of your loss, because it genuinely feels like your world is over. Your best days are behind you. You think you are never going to find peace, contentment, balance in your life again. You think you're never going to feel safe in a world in which you feel very vulnerable. And that's valid. That's natural. That's, that's real. And it feels like your genuine truth. And I get that because it was mine too. I really did think, you know, I was, I was 39 when Simon died. Not, not that old. But my story was that I was too old to find happiness again, that I would never find that in my life. I would never be able to create something for me that was meaningful that felt good, that I was proud of because I wasn't capable. I was too old. It was too late. And I couldn't do it on my own. I couldn't do it without Simon. Simon left a huge, huge void in our lives. And that void is still there. However, we have grown around it we have changed. Our lives have gone in a completely different direction to what we thought it would, to what we wanted it to do, for what we'd planned to do. Of course, because when your person dies, that impacts every corner of your universe. And the story we tell ourselves at the beginning, that changes, that evolves as you move through your grief And I want to help you see that. Now, not because I'm wanting this to be a benchmark for you. I don't want you to use this as a comparison tool. Wherever you are in your journey, you don't have to get to where I'm at at the same time that I've got to it. You know that we all do this very differently. Our situations are very different. Our experiences are very different. Our support networks are very different. There's so much within widowhood that isn't the same for us. As much as we have lost a life partner, 
there's so much in it that is affected that can be very different. So I don't want you to to look at this and think this is where you've got to get to. This is where you are going to get to. I don't want you to compare and think, oh, I'm not nearly there yet and I'm nearly at that point or I've gone past that point and I'm nowhere near it either. This is just to help you see what is possible in your grief. And you may get there at a very different time to me. You may get there before my time. You may get there after my time. You may not get there. You may get somewhere completely different and that's okay too. This is just my truth. This is just my story, which I hope gives you some hope, gives you something to hold on to so that you can see that where you're at isn't permanent, that the stories that you're telling yourself, as much as they feel true to you now in this moment, they are not going to be true for you forever. Things will change. You will change. So much is going to change. And those changes are scary. I get it. I spent a long time fighting the changes. You know, I really didn't want anything to change. I didn't want to change. I liked my life. It wasn't perfect, don't get me wrong, but it was okay. It was working out. You know, the kids were starting to get a bit older. They were nine and five when Simon died. Those really young, you know, really having really young children um, and the strain that puts on you, that was starting to ease off. They were both at school. You know, we were doing well and I I didn't want, I didn't want to change. I, I liked who I was. So I did fight it, but actually I realized that in the fighting of it, I was holding my self in a place of deep discomfort. And actually by allowing myself to accommodate those changes, to allow them to happen, to let them in, to make them work for me was far more empowering. Fighting them, I was giving all my power away. I was letting grief control me. And actually, I was able to take back that power for myself, put myself back into the driving seat of my life by accepting my reality, accepting the changes, and allowing things to evolve naturally like they needed to. In those early days, the grief is is overpowering. It takes a hold on you. It is definitely in the driving seat. It's guiding you. You don't know it. You don't understand it. It's scary. You think it's going to be like that forever. Your person is on your mind with everything that you do. Every TV program you watch, every song you hear on the radio, everywhere you visit, you, you know, maybe you remember visiting there with them or you're thinking how much they'd love to visit there with you and they can't because they're no longer here. All the events you go to, all the people that you see, the travels that you go on, the film that you might watch, the meal that you're cooking, <laughs> the friend that you're talking to, it's just in everything, isn't it? You're just constantly thinking about your person, what they would be doing if they were here, and you can't get away from it. You know, I remember sitting and talking to friends and they're talking to me about their life and something that's going on for them in that moment. 
And I can barely absorb what they're, they're telling me because all I've got going on in my mind is I'm thinking about Simon and what would he be saying? What would he be doing? And what's it going to be like when I go home later and he's not there? There's so much. Over the years, that has settled down. Now, I talk about Simon every day. He's very much a part of our lives. He's always at the forefront of my mind, but he's not in every single one of my thoughts. He doesn't crop up in every single thing that I do. And that felt weird at first because you think that you're forgetting them. But actually, you know, when we're being realistic about it, we don't think about the people that are alive that are still in our lives all the time. We, we haven't got capacity to think about one person all the time. Now, understandably, when somebody dies, this happens. That's grief. We're trying to process the loss. We're trying to make sense of it. And that's not easy to do. And it takes a long time, especially when it's a life partner and they are in your life. Everything that you do comes back to them. They are home and home is no longer there. So where do you go? Where do you fit? Why does everything feel so different? Because you can no longer just go home and feel safe anymore. Over time, you create your safety. You create your home within yourself, whether you are on your own, whether you have children, whether you have grown-up children. You find a way of building a life for yourself that feels aligned with who you are, that feels genuinely good again, that does bring you comfort and peace and joy. So the thoughts aren't there as much. They're never far away, you know, but it's a big transition because we attach that with guilt, thinking that if we're not thinking about them all the time, then what does that mean? It just means you are moving through your grief naturally. That's that's what happens. And, you know, I I still have sad days too. I really do, you know. New Year's Day for me was a particularly sad day. I woke up, I had that knot in my stomach. I just wanted to speak to him. I wanted to share things with him about life. I wanted to know his thoughts, his opinions on things. I just wanted to genuinely just wanted to sit and have a conversation with him. However, the way I miss him now is also very different to the way I missed him in those early days. It's raw. It's painful. You are pining for them. It's it's visceral. You, you know, it's like you need them and you can't have them. And that stays for a very long time because, as I've touched on, trying to make sense of the fact that our person has gone takes a very long time for us to understand and truly accept that that is our reality. Death is something so final. It really does take a long time to to adjust to, to that truth. And we miss them with every ounce of our being. That's softened over the years. I do miss Simon. And there are days when I do really want to have a conversation with him. But it's not... It's not a pining. It's not a pain. It's, it's gentle. It's manageable. It's there. I, I know it's there and I'm comfortable with it, but it doesn't take me to my knees anymore. It's, it's just softly in the background. And that's also quite hard to accept as your reality because 
you know, on those, because they, they're genuinely, there are days when I don't miss them at all. If somebody said to me on some days, are you missing Simon? I'd be like, no, not, no, I'm, I'm genuinely, I'm at peace with the fact that he's died. I've, I've created a really good life for myself. I like everything that I have and everything that I do. I'm sad that he's not here to see it, but I'm okay. I'm not in this moment. I am not missing him. And that is my truth more than it is my truth that, that I miss him. And, you know, if I was to really sit down and think about it, yes, of course, I'd love to talk to him all the time, but I understand I can't. So you, you create something around that, don't you? You acknowledge that as your reality. And you learn how to be without your person. So that's changed so much too. And, you know, in some respects, I don't know where Simon would fit in my world anymore. You know, I've, I've met Andy. I'm with Andy now. And the, the two girls, they're so much older. There's, I mean, obviously he would fit in, in their lives. Where would Simon fit in my life? And I think this is a, a big thing for us as as widows as we as we move forward and as we meet someone else and you know when you meet someone else you don't stop loving your person i i truly believe that you love your person forever that that doesn't die death does not come between love it it, it doesn't you know it it can take somebody away from you in a physical sense but it can't take love away from you it's it's not powerful enough to take that away from you so I do believe we always, always love our person. We also have room in our hearts to love other people. And that doesn't take anything away from us. You know, there's so much space for so much love. There really is, you know, and it's a beautiful thing. Like having children, you know, whether you have one child or 10 children, you love all your children. You don't have enough love just for one child. And I think that's the same for anyone in your life. There's no limit on love. So I've created this new life for myself. And it looks, you know, when Simon was alive, I was a, a midwife, a nurse. I was working shifts. I was very different to how I was now. It's essentially the same person, but the things that I enjoyed doing, where I, I found my joy, you know, those things look very different. How I live my life is is very different. And who I am as a person is quite different because I've done so much inner work on me. I really have worked incredibly hard on me that I have found this comfort within myself, a confidence maybe. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying I'm perfect and I've got all this sorted and I'm in complete control of my life. That's ridiculous. Um, I'm really not, but I've really learnt about me, who I am, what I value, what's important to me, what I want from life, what lights me up. And I didn't know all those things before because I hadn't really done any work on me. I wasn't, I wasn't particularly self-aware and I am self-aware now and I continue to do the work on me because I think it's a, it's a lifelong job <laughs> and we owe it to ourselves because we are always evolving. We're always changing and, and life's always throwing us curveballs. And these things teach us so much about ourselves. So I think my life as it is now 
where would Simon fit in it? And that's really hard for me to, to think about. It's a, it's a bit of a ridiculous question. But anyone else that you lost in life, um, a parent, a sibling, a friend, a, a, a child, there would always be space for them in your life if they were to come back. Again, ridiculous, I know, because nobody's coming back. However, when you have been married to someone and they've died, and then you've met someone else and created a new relationship, where do they? Where would they fit if they came back? These are my thoughts in my head. Maybe I'm a little bit crazy. Um, maybe if you are a, a widow and you have gone on and, and created a, a relationship with someone, is, does this go on in your head? <laughs> I have had a conversation with a couple of widows about this, and, and, and they, it has resonated. But it's hard, right? It's hard because you want to be able to say, I just want him back. I want him back and I want everything to go back to how it was. But so much has changed now. I don't know that I do want my life to go back to how it was. Does that mean I don't love him? Does that mean I don't want him to come back and and be in my life and be in my children's life? No, it's just complex and it's complicated. And trying to make sense of these things can be challenging for us because we start to doubt ourselves. But again, I've made my peace with it. I know he's not coming back. I know he'd want me and the girls to be happy, whether that's on our own or with somebody. You know, I I think, you know, as much as I now have Andy in my life and he's brought so much happiness, he really has. It's nice to love and be loved 100%. I've always said, for me, life is better shared. However, I know that if I hadn't have met Andy, I'd have made my life work on my own too because I was absolutely determined that that was being my truth. You don't have to meet someone else to be happy again. It makes life easier in a relationship. Of course it does because, you know, when you lose your life partner, you've got double the workload with half the workforce. And, you know, when you meet someone else and you create a partnership with somebody new, you, you create a, a, a working relationship again, don't you? And, and you, you have your roles in that. And I know he's not the girl's natural father, but he's able to help with lifts and stuff to places, you, you know, and they've both got to be in different places at the same time. It's, it, that, that does make life easier. However, I know I would figure it out as well if I was on my own, because you have to. And that's almost become my mantra in life. I will figure it out because that's what I've done up till now. And that's what I will continue to keep doing. The grief around the girls losing their father is often the thing that gets me the most because that truly breaks my heart. The fact that they lost their dad at such a young age is is just awful. It's just so awful. It's so sad. And they should never have had to have experienced that as as young children. And the impact it's having on them as they grow, it's rubbish. And I want to fix it and I want to make it better. And I can't. It's not within my power. I do what I can do. I do what I can control. I support them. I love them. I meet their needs in the best way that I can. I can't be mum and dad. I can only be mum. And, and that, that is the hardest thing for me in my grief is supporting my children and seeing them grow without their dad 
all the things that he could have taught them, all the things that he would have supported them with, his wisdom, his knowledge, his understanding, just having your dad in life, it's its so incredibly sad. It really, honestly breaks my heart and it will continue to because my eldest is doing her GCSEs this year. So we're trying to navigate next steps for her. And then after that, it's going to be university and, and then she wants to travel and, and then she'll probably meet someone. She might get married. She might have children. She, she might buy a house and, you know, maybe she'll have grandchildren. And I hope I'm here to see all this. And if I am, I will be so happy and I will be so sad for her that her dad isn't here to share these things with her. So that I find really difficult. We're figuring it out. We're finding our way. We're doing it together. Team Sutton. And we do, but it's sad and it and it's hard. But it does, you, you do find your way with it. You do, I mean, I think I have a, a, a much closer relationship with my children than I ever would have had because of everything that we've been through. We have an unbreakable bond. We've been through something so big together, which unites us and, and brings us closer, but it's different and, and it's not, it's not how it should be. And you know, the world has changed so much, hasn't it? You, you know, when I look back to when Simon was alive, we were just at the beginning of Brexit. Um, there had been no um, COVID there had, you know, the war in Ukraine going on, all, the, all of those things have gone a little bit crazy. The world has gone a little bit crazy. Simon was very into his, his politics and really became quite passionate about a lot of subjects within that. Um, and I don't know what he'd say about a lot of things anymore. So much time has passed and, and this has created a greater space between us. When I look back at my life with Simon, it's almost like that was another book. It's not even another chapter. It was another book. Like the life was so different. I feel like I'm in a completely different story now. And I used to know the things he would say and the opinions he would have on something or the words of wisdom he would impart on us as a family. As we're getting older, as the girls are getting older, as the world is changing, as I'm changing, I don't really know what he'd say anymore. I don't know what his opinion on a lot of things would be. I find that quite hard. I try not to spend too much time in that space because I can't do anything about it. I can't change it. Essentially, my grief has become a companion, a companion that none of us want in life. But nevertheless, we're all going to become affected by grief in some way or another. And it's it's not a companion that particularly you want to embrace, but I have learned to embrace it. I have become comfortable with the uncomfortable. I understand it. I know it. I know the feelings. Yes, so I want to run from them sometimes. I want to, to hide from them. I want to ignore them. I don't want to face them. But they're still not comfortable feelings. You, you know, we are designed to run from, from discomfort, from pain, from fear, from all those things. But I understand that now and I'm able to sit with it. I'm able to feel it. I'm able to get curious about it and work my way through it and come out the other side. It's like a, a, a comfortable jumper that I put on and I just, I feel like I, I wear it well. 
I'm no expert and there are times when it gets me and and I cry and I'm sad and everything feels rubbish in life and you know and you get down and you feel low but that's life right you you know we can't we can't always be up that that's not how it works and simon gave me so much in his life and in his death and i'm grateful now i'm grateful for all those things if somebody said to me at the beginning, <laughs> you are going to learn so much in your grief that you will be grateful for, I would not have appreciated that one single bit. And I I understand that if you are in the very early raw stages of your grief, there might be things that I'm saying here that feel very uncomfortable to you, that feel quite triggering to you, that you don't want to hear and you don't know what to do with. I get it. I do. And just know that maybe this isn't your truth for now. Maybe you're not ready to hear these things now, but there's a possibility that one day it might be your truth and that doesn't take anything away from you. Your person is in you. You are who you are because of them. They've shaped you. They've given you some of your values. They've given you some of your beliefs. They've helped you make some of the decisions you've made in life. And you know, we've learned so much from them and their death. You know, I truly believe in life that we learn so much more about ourselves in our more difficult moments than we do in our lighter, brighter moments, because we've got to work so flipping hard to get out of those dark moments. You know, sometimes we really are clawing our way back up out of that deep, dark hole. And it feels like we're not going to make it. Sometimes. Do we even want to make it? Because the pain is so intense. And what even is this all about if I can't do it with my person? I get it. I do get it. But that isn't permanent. That isn't going to be your truth for the rest of your life. It does come down to the choices you make. You know, we've got, I think we've got to work through our grief. We've got to decide how we choose to respond to our loss. And some people may choose to stay in their grief because that's what they feel like they need to do. And that's fine. There's no judgment. There's no criticism. If that's what you feel you need to do, it's not what I wanted to do. I don't want to stay in that deep, dark hole. You know, that's not the only thing that connects me to Simon. The pain does not connect me to Simon. My love connects me to Simon. And, you know, I truly believe that we are able to remember our person with more love than pain. It takes a long time. It takes longer than you want it to. It takes longer than you expect it to. But it's possible. It's possible by doing the work, by learning to understand you your grief, what all that means when it comes together. It gets easier. Some people like to say, doesn't get easier, you get stronger. Whatever way you want to look at it, I believe it becomes easier. It's not as heavy. I don't feel like I'm drowning. It doesn't control me anymore. Yes, there's a hole. There's a huge void where Simon used to be, and that will always be there. But you find a way, you do find a way, and you are able to feel like you can live again, not just exist from day to day, working your way through it. 
Keep moving, just moment by moment, day by day, week by week. Keep moving, keep going. Reach out to people, ask for help. Take those steps, try something new because everything's different now. Everything's different now. And different things are going to light you up and always find something that lights you up. Always. When you're ready to to start creating your new life, don't settle for anything less than lighting you up. Life is short. Who knows when it's going to end? Dream big. Do the thing. Stare fear in the face and go, I know you're there, but I'm going to do this anyway. Spend time with the people that you love. Take the photos, make the memories, because one day those people might not be there either. Try and stay in the present. When we look behind us into the past, that hurts. The past is a place of reference, not a place of residence. And try not to think about the future in terms of how awful it's going to be, how sad you're going to feel, how alone you're going to be, because those things might not be true. Stay present in the now. Find something in this moment that makes you feel good. And like I say, just keep taking those steps. You will find your way. Work on you, invest in you, do the things that you know are going to support you in your grief and it will all fall into place. You don't have to do this alone. Find a support group, join a a group of, of, you know, doing something that you love. Get out there, step out your comfort zone a little bit. This is going to reveal parts of you that you didn't know existed. You're going to discover so much about yourself, you're going to blow your own mind, honestly. You've got to get out there and do those things. Choose you. Choose life. Choose to rise. Give yourself permission to grow around your grief. Open your heart to new possibilities and new opportunities, knowing that it doesn't take anything away from you. Your love is yours to keep. The passing of time cannot take that away from you. Creating a new life cannot take that away from you. Do what you need to do for you, knowing that you will learn how to carry your grief forward with you. You're not moving away from it. You're not leaving it behind. It comes. It comes with us. It shapes us. It molds us. But that doesn't have to mean it it defines us in, in a negative way. You are able to remember your person with more love than pain, 100%. You are able to find peace in your heart again. You are able to find joy in your soul. You are able to create something utterly amazing and you will be happy. You will breathe and it will feel good for you again. But do it your way in your own time, at your own pace, in a way that feels good for you. Be patient with yourself. Don't expect too much too soon. Know that it does take a long time. I hope this has helped. If it has, please do share it with someone and rate 
review, subscribe to the podcast, wherever you're listening to it. It really helps me reach more people that need this support so desperately. Sending you lots of love. Take care. Thank you so much for listening to The Widow Podcast with me, Karen Sutton. If you would like to be part of a supportive community of people who understand your grief, come and join my free Facebook group, Widowed and Rising. And make sure you tune in to the next episode of The Widow Podcast. Podcast.